I know it's a couple days early, but Merry Christmas. So, uh, so anticipating this season. Uh, for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is kind of like high point uh, of the year, and yet it's really the same things that we talk about Sunday in and Sunday out, and hopefully day in and day out with each other as we uh, think about what it means to be uh, children of the King. Now, I'm curious, a lot of things have changed in the last number of years about how we do certain traditions and so forth, and more and more people are doing uh, email cards and uh, Facebook, you know, one video fits all. Uh, how many of you still send out Christmas cards, though? All right, a lot of you. Okay. How many of you sent out 1 to 75 Christmas cards this year? How many of you sent out eight, uh, 76 to 150? Uh, we're not going to go beyond that because you folks just need therapy. I, <laughs> but really, uh, you, you're not even going to get close to the record. 1975, there was a guy in San Francisco that sent out 62,824 cards. He really needs therapy. The fundamental purpose of a Christmas card uh, is to communicate, Right? So we send greetings to people that we maybe haven't seen for a while. We, <clears throat> we give them best wishes. And uh, we tell them some of the news that's been happening in our family over the past year. And this morning we want to talk about not just Christmas cards, but the Christmas card that God gave to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a folded piece of colorful cardboard, but the great I am, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to read a couple of verses of scripture. Father, we give you thanks for this celebration this time of year because this began what we uh, culminate with in Easter. This great rescue operation that was mounted from heaven. Not here on earth, but mounted from heaven. And we're so grateful for what you did for us in Jesus Christ. And we understand that it wasn't just a baby that delivered us, but it was the full on God-man life lived here on earth and then death and resurrection that has brought us the hope that we have. I pray that we might, our hearts might be stirred this morning with affection for a God who sees the plight of his people, and comes to their rescue. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have either of those, you can look up on the screen. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1. I don't know who this is, uh, where this was, the uh, destiny of this book was perhaps Alexandria, Egypt. We know that most of the people that would have been reading this would have been uh, either folks that came to Christ out of Judaism, they were Jews, or converts to Judaism. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, and that would include our days, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor 
at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This is a tribute to God the Son and his coming and all that he has, uh, all the honor that is rightfully due him. I want to basically take contrast here this morning, talking about the old cards in the past that God sent to his people and the new card that he sent to them in Jesus Christ. The first thing that the writer wants us to understand here is that God is a talking God. He is a communicating God. He wants to say things to his people. We know that from the very first chapter of the Bible, that God is a speaking God. Genesis chapter 1, he created mankind simply by speaking. He created the, all the things on the earth simply by speaking. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the waters in the heavens be divided from the waters in the earth, and it was so. God said, let there be uh, dry land, and it was so. God said, let there be vegetation, and it was so. Every time God speaks, there is a consequence, there is a result. But the contrast to this text is the contrast between the prophets speaking and Jesus Christ coming to speak to mankind. One of the things that was true about all of these days in the past before Jesus came was that the prophets will essentially served, part of the purpose was to keep the distance of the people from God. And look at what happened at Mount Sinai when the Israelites were coming up out of Egypt and God said to Moses, I'm going to speak to you on this mountain, but make sure nobody else gets close to the mountain. Everything that he instructed them to do was to reinforce there is a distance between me and you. And so God told Moses to tell the people, make sure you wash your clothes. Make sure you abstain from sexual relations with your spouse. Don't even get close to the mountain because if you touch this mountain where Moses and I are going to meet, you're going to die. If a goat gets close to the base of this mountain, you're going to die. There is a fundamental distance between us. And people even, people recognize that. And they said to Moses, don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. You know, it's kind of interesting today that most of us, most people, when they're in the presence of a celebrity, we want to get their autograph or we want to be able to touch them. We want to get up close and personal to them. And yet here's the people recognizing that there's, there's tremendous distance between them and God and there's, it's a distance they're frightened, frightened of. Tabernacle comes along, God asks them to prepare this tent that he's going to live in. And all that does is reinforce this distance. There's the holy place, and over here's the most holy place. And nobody but the high priest can go into the most holy place and there only once a year to sacrifice for his own sins and the sins of the rest of the people. And there's this distance that's driven home time and time again. The, the prophets uh, reinforce it. The tabernacle reinforces it. The temple reinforces it. And the, and the people themselves reinforce it. Why? Because they sin again and again and again. Now, I wonder how many of you had a romance somewhere in your lifetime that was um, a distant relationship. How many of you tried to have a distant relationship across miles and miles? A couple of you. Um, I won't ask the next question, how did it work out? Those are often tough relationships to maintain, aren't they? Now, today it's a little easier. We have Skype and FaceTime and things like that, but it's still not the same if you're uh, hundreds of miles or thousands of miles apart. If you have a communication problem, it's, you can't just walk up the street or drive up the road and try to sort it out. 
You, you have people that your loved one is interacting with day in and day out, and you're wondering if maybe one of them is drawing your lover away from you. There's just a lot of things that are unsure about a long-distance relationship, and that's the same way with our, uh, our relationship with God. If there's, if there's distance there, it doesn't work like we'd like it to work. And the people understood that God was way out there, and God was like this, and we were way down here, and we were like this. There's distance, both, both spatially as well as just how, who we are. And it couldn't long-term work. And so there's a change that takes place here. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. Now in these final days, he has spoken through his son. Even through the prophets, God had been saying to the people, hang on. A deliverer is coming. Hope is coming. Here's where he'll be born. This is going to be the tribe that I take him from. This is going to be the lineage that he comes through. This is what he's going to have to endure. This is what you're going to do to him. This is what he's going to do for you. And he will ultimately be your ruler. That's what the prophets were saying to the people. And then all of a sudden, a baby is just around the corner. And the angel said to Joseph, Mary's going to have a little boy and he will name him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? We sang this song this morning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. What's it mean? God with us. Can you imagine what that meant to people that knew God only at a distance? God with us. And you think about what took place that night when Jesus was born in that filthy barn with all these animals around. A little baby came out of his mother's womb and was laid in that feeding trough and the baby that laid there created the oxen and the donkeys that might have been in that barn that night he made their reproductive systems he made their digestive systems he made the woman whose womb he came through he made the man there in attendance he made everything and yet he lies in straw in a barn he couldn't even have an abode that human beings lived in God with us God came near when he came out of Mary's womb he had skin and hair like us he grew up to walk our streets to eat our food to experience our temptations to suffer our sorrows and to die just like every one of us will eventually do. Now, when we think about those kinds of things, it's very heartwarming because it's like, wow, the king stooped to live like me and to experience all that I have to experience. How cool is that? Jesus is just a regular guy. The son of God could be just a regular guy. But listen, Jesus did not come just to hang out with us and impress us with his commonness. He had far bigger aspirations in mind. And so the angels that night when they came to the shepherds said, here's the good news that will bring you great joy. A savior is born. Now, a person who's going to save What's he going to save from? 
I don't know if you've heard this Christmas meme, a letter that's written to Santa. Someone writes, Dear Santa, I've been good all year. And then he thinks for a little bit, and then he scratches out the last part and writes, Most of the time. And then he thinks a little bit more, and he scratches that out and writes down, Once in a while. And then he thinks a little bit more, and he scratches that out too and says, Never mind, I'll buy my own stuff. (laughs) Any of us that are honest and look into the mirror, we see somebody in there that we're not quite satisfied with, let alone a God who is perfect. We just keep coming up short. Isn't it exasperating when you wrestle with the temptation and, and you put it aside and you, you deal with it with God and with others and you say, this is the last time that's ever going to happen. And it's not. A Savior is born to you. And he's not here primarily to save us uh, from all of the things that kind of plague us day in and day out. We look at our own lives and the lives of those we love, and we looked at the world around us and our community, and we see things like economic threats. We see trillion-dollar deficits and indebtedness. We see a stock market that is horrifically unsettled. Did you see what happened to it last week? Ecological threats, the defoliation of the rainforest, the contamination of our seas. And that's on the kind of world scale. There are armies that are amassing at each other's borders and facing off, and we wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Then we get down to our own individual lives, and we have marital problems, and we wonder what's going to happen with our daughter, and And we wonder if our job's going to still be intact by February and on and on and on and on. And make no mistake about it, Jesus had bigger aspirations when he came to save us. And simply making our world kind of flow smoothly. That's a day yet future. What he wanted to do is take people who were far, far away from God and bring them near, near to God. People who were at odds with God and bring them together with God, you and I. And so in verse 3, it says, not only does the sun radiate God's own glory and express the very character of God and sustain everything by the mighty power of his command, but when he had cleansed us from our sins. You see, that's the disease that's killing us. It's not global warming that's killing us. It's not enough uh, uh, inadequate amount of money in our savings account that's killing us. It's not the hostility that we have with our wives or with our husbands that's killing us. It's not the estrangement from our child that's killing us. All of those things are tragic and break our hearts. But what's killing us is our rebellion against God, our sin. And for that, we need a savior that we could not come up with here on this earth. We needed someone to come and rescue us. We have some members here this morning from the Gordonville Ambulance um, 
crew. And when they get called out in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day to a home, they don't just show up and party with us and have a good time and say, oh, it's so good to make your acquaintance. Yeah, let's break out the popcorn and break out the cider. And we tell jokes and we talk about the latest football scores. They have come to keep us from dying. That's what the ambulance crew is for. They're, they're there to rescue you and keep you from dying. And that's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to that stable that night, not just to, so that we can ooh and ah about this cute little baby thousands of years later, but so that we can be reminded that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to cure the disease that's killing us, came to save us from our sin. And praise God, once that problem is solved, we have resources in Christ because Christ comes to live in us, right? And that the grand glory of the gospel is that God who was far away came near. And when we say yes to him by repenting of our sin and putting our faith in Jesus Christ to forgive us, Jesus comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Will you talk about God with us? God is in us. And now we have resources to tackle the other problems of life. One of the things that I wonder as an American Christian, and we've kind of, we've been exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ over and over and over again, that perhaps we've lost the wonder no longer surprised that God would come near to us. You know, the, one of the few scientific studies of holiday cards that was done was done at Penn State. A couple of researchers found that the, the people, that people who received a large number of Christmas cards or holiday cards of any kind feel better. They feel less lonely because they think that uh, more people are thinking about them. And yet, I don't know about you, but when you make out 100 or 200 Christmas cards, isn't it true we're just kind of trying to get done? And yet, when God sent his one and only son here to planet Earth, he did have you in mind. He did know your name. He does know your blood type. He knows the sins that you struggle with and the ones that you don't. He knows your likes and your dislikes. He knows the kind of food that you'd prefer at Christmas time. He knows the great longing of your heart. And the amazing thing is that none of that was required of God. I want to close our time this morning reading a couple of verses out of 1 Peter just to if you're a Christian, just listen to these words and be re-reminded of the wonder of salvation. And if you're not a Christian, listen to these words and take to heart the fact that God did not need to do for you what he was willing to do. And maybe this will, remind, maybe this will tell you for the first time 
that God loved not just the whole world, but you. And God desires to be near to you too. First Peter 1, beginning verse 10, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. When the prophets of the old covenant would speak to the people, they knew just a little bit about the coming Messiah, but not a lot. But they were so intrigued. And they wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. In other words, the ones that God has created that are up close and personal with all that's happening in the universe, the angels, they long to understand more and more because they never get to experience the wonder of salvation. But you do. You did, or you can. And that, my friends, is an incredible gift. At the end of our service today, there are going to be some people up front here that we have up front every Sunday here to pray with people that want prayer for about any need in their life. Those same people will be glad to talk to you about Jesus Christ and how you can come near to God through him. Oh, I hope that if you don't know Jesus, that you take advantage of that opportunity. Because God really does love you. He did all the hard work. He did all the legwork. He did all the dying for you. Your response is simply to say yes to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven who crafted and made us with his hands, fashioned us with the tender heart of a loving father, at Christmas time, we have bells and lights and trees and cards, songs, and so many things that give us great joy. But all of that is irrelevant if it were not for that you close the gap between us in love. All of that would not matter one whit if there were not a son of heaven willing to go to a cross and shed his blood, a son of heaven willing to come as a little baby who would grow up to preach, to teach, and then to die an atoning sacrifice once for all, nevermore a lamb, an ox, a goat, a sheep, a turtle dove to be killed on behalf of the sins of the people because now there was a, a lamb, a spotless lamb, a holy lamb from heaven who died once for all so that he could bring people like me, broken, messed up sinners, to you and that instead of enemies, we could become friends. Indeed, I could become an heir and a son of God, not because I'm so good, but because he was. Amen.